Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pitney, and today I am joined by Tim Woodridge, who is the Outreach Specialist for Arkansas Homeowner Assistant Fund and who served for 16 years in the Arkansas House and Senate. So, Tim, thanks well, so much for coming on. Well, good, good afternoon to you. And you know, you said my name correctly. <laughs> I've received some coaching. How, how, how did you say my name? I said Woodridge with a D. Tim Woldridge. Wow. <laughs> You've had people, some experiences, I guess, where people have mispronounced Well, exactly. I, I've, I said to my dad for years, let's take that first D out because no one uses it. It's been <laughs> Tim Woldridge all of my life. And in fact, Jared, one of my very first political jingles, group out of Nashville did it, beautiful four-part harmony, <laughs> guitar playing, I loved it. Tim Woldridge believes in Arkansas. <laughs> oh, and I told the guy, I said, that's great, but that's not my name. <laughs> Tim Woldridge. So you, thank you let you. him know. Did he correct it, or was it <laughs> yeah. too late? He didn't want to do the. He didn't want to do the production to do it again, but he had to do it again. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, I'm Good glad that here. I said it right. It's great here. to have you here. Thank so you. we're going to talk about the Arkansas Homeowner Assistance Program, which I've had a chance to study up on. I got a flyer right here on it. it. It's an incredible program that I do think people in our community need to learn about. But before we dive into that, got some other important business. I right. discovered as I was doing a little research on you that. Uh-oh. We have a couple things in common, okay? One of them, at least a couple things. Well, we love the Lord. More. Is that one of them? That's that, I, that, that, that was not in here, but that should be That's one. A big we one. do both love the Lord. Um, one of them is you were a communication major at Arkansas State. That's correct. So was I. Was it communication studies? What was it at the time? Do you remember? Well, it's been about 45 years, but I think it was a... Uh, I think it was journalism, communications, yes. public relations, emphasis, or something to that effect. Yes. Okay. Well, I would love to hear. But more. I love to talk, and I love to hear myself talk. So. Well, 100%. I, you know, I was, uh, I actually went on academic probation last first year in college. Too I much was pool in, in the car ring that center? kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I just was, I had no direction in my life. And anyways, end up, God got a hold of me, gave me clear direction. I knew I was going to go into ministry of some kind. And I had a professor of my just basic speech communication class who happened to be a pastor. And he was like, you know what? If you're going to be a pastor, I'm guessing you're going to do a lot of talking. You might consider communication studies. And so that's how I ended up in the program. So anytime I see someone else communication, I've got to talk about that a minute. So, But even more importantly, I found out you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Hey, buddy. That's How true, about those team. cards? Hey, man, what How a about time. those cards? What a time. How about man? that Sunday night walk-off? Incredible. How about the fact that we're in the room right now with our backup <laughs> producer, who is a Braves fan? Uh, that's not, why I said that for Christmas. This couldn't have been better. I don't remember the last time we had a big Cardinals fan here, and we just so happened to have a Braves producer in the room with World us. World champs. Braves. That's well, right. They are. And they're pretty good. That's true. They are. <laughs> they're, pretty, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. I have to, I have to ask you this. Favorite, uh, if you had to put a player in each position, all-time Cardinal, your favorite. It's not necessarily they were the best, but your favorite Cardinals players, who you got Wow, in each position. Well, that's a great question. Well, thank but you. Before and I didn't I, give you any time to think about this. Before I answer that, you know, for years I've traveled on behalf of the Devar- Department of Finance Authority of Arkansas, ADFA, and uh, so I've traveled and made speeches all over Arkansas, and I used to say that I'll give him, anyone in the audience a $100 bill if you can – if you can tell me who played, who started in right field for the Cardinals in the 68 World Series. And no one ever would know. And one day I was in an audience, it seems like it was in Monticello or Magnolia, somewhere south Arkansas, and there were several kind of like me, gray heads in the room. And I thought, I might not ought to offer that today. And I asked, can anyone in here tell me who was the starting right fielder in the 68 World Series against the Tigers? Jared? 
Well, do you know? I, the easy answer I thought would be Lou Brock, so that can't be yeah, right. No, no. Was he even playing at that time? Period? Oh, he was. Oh, he was center he, fielder. He was. Uh, he was in center field. I have no idea then. Or no, he was in. He was in right field. Kurt Flood was in center. Okay. Roger Maris. Really? Roger Maris played for the Cardinals, and he was the starting right fielder against the Tigers. But let me let me. That was before his glory years. After. Oh, it was after. After okay, his so Yankee right, that years. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years. But in any, any case, that starting lineup was Bob Gibson, number 45. The Intimidator. Bo- born November 9th, 1935 in Omaha, Nebraska. Tim McCarver from Memphis behind the plate. Orlando Cepeda at first. Julian Javier, who, by the way, this weekend was put into the Cardinal Hall of Fame, oh. along with uh, Matt Holliday and, and the yes. Kaminsky, Kaminsky gentleman. Dow Maxwell was on short. Mike Shannon had moved Mike in Shannon. from the outfield to play third, mm-hmm. and then the outfield was Brock, Flood, and Roger Maris. A pretty solid team. Yeah. So my favorites probably, of course, would be Gibson on, on the mound. mound. Of course. Yeah. That's my And dad's. I guess that'd have to be current, you know, because he's obviously going to be a Hall of Famer, Yachty behind the plate. Yes, good one. And uh, in first, you know, that would be a little bit of a struggle because we've had several great first basemen. I think I'm going to have to go with the current one. Uh, Go with Goldie? Paul Goldsmith at first first base. Second, uh, I'm going to have to think on second a moment. Of course, I've not been as loaded at second. Right. You know, Tommy Herr and some of those guys had some great years at second. I'll have to think back a little bit. Of course, Ozzy at at short. And I think we'll have to go current. Nolan Arenado at third. Yep. I think so. And Scott Rowland's a great. He was good. You know, great one there as well. And then, of course, the outfield, you've got to have Brock Mm -hmm. and McGee. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, that right. Can you put field, Jim Edmonds in somewhere? Well, of course. Yeah, we've got to have Jim Edmonds. Okay, I think so. so I think you're. That's I think a good that's team. A, that's a great team. That's fantastic. I well, think they could compete with the Braves. Now you have a DH. <laughs> <That's laughs> oh right. yeah, uh, the Pujols. Put Pujols at DH. Gosh, yeah, I didn't put Pujols. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> thank you, Chris. The, yeah, the Braves fan saved you. Yeah, thank you, Chris. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Well, so. Uh, you were in politics for uh, a, a long time. Public service. Public service. Uh, that sounds even better. It's <laughs> a great answer. Someone asked me, said, are you a politician? I said, a statesman. I like that. Thank you. I got to learn the language. Um, how did you get into public service, uh, specifically into serving um, you know, for the Arkansas House and Senate? So tell me a little bit about your journey. Is that where you saw yourself going? Like when you were in communications and journalism, you're like, I'm heading that direction. Not necessarily. I think I've just always had a, uh, this sounds kind of cliche and kind of corny, but I enjoyed people mm-hmm. and I enjoyed helping and serving. And I don't want to overly be flippant with that kind of Zig Ziglar thing, you know, how to get everything you want in life is to help everyone around you get everything they want or need. Mm-hmm. And so there was always kind of that almost nurturing, ministering kind of mm-hmm. helping. And boy, Jared, always, all of my life, those who it seemed were marginalized by society, boy, I wanted to be I wanted to be their cheerleader. Where do you think that came from? Because I, I feel the same way. Um, I, I really do root for the underdog, so to speak. Matter anyways, I can share stories on that. Not gonna share stories on that, but I, I my heart is tethered to yours in that way. But I'm curious, like where do you think that came from? Because that's not normative. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, a, a product of my raising, a product of the spirituality of my raising from my 
mother and father and my family, those things were very important. I remember a day in the Senate, I got hammered on a piece of legislation, and uh, Lisa, my wife, called that night. I was in our apartment in Little Rock, and she called. She said, well, I understand from the media you had a bad day, a piece of legislation. I, wanted. I don't even remember what it was mm-hmm. now. I said, oh, no, it was an awesome day. She said, really? I said, oh, there was a family from Beach Grove, Arkansas, that needed their child's admission in Arkansas Children's and emergency surgery, and I got that done today. She said, you mean while you were on the floor of the Senate? How did you get that done? Well, just through connections and all those kind of things with with folks at uh, Children's. And she said, so while you were on the floor of the Senate, I said, oh, yeah, this has been an awesome day. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think— Did you grow up poor? Well, no, I, we have you know had a very successful farming operation out east of Paragould and uh, just a blessed, wonderful family. But uh, it just uh, the the importance of of serving others. I keep a I keep a thing in my Bible, Jared, that says the true test of a lady or gentleman is what you do for those that can't do a thing for you in return. Yeah. And through the years, as you ingratiate yourself to people that can do great things for you, that yeah, that yeah, that's wonderful, and we appreciate that. But what, but what do you do for those that can't do a thing for you in return? I think mm-hmm. that defines us. And, and I think that's the thing about public service is that a lot of people that seek public service maybe have less than pure intentions. Yes. They want to, you know, they want to do something for themselves or they have an inflated sense of self-worth or whatever and look at me and, and they forget why they are put there. Yes. Years, years ago, my, my dad, I'll never forget this. My first term in the Arkansas House, my mother and dad were up. We were having dinner, and we were having our prayer, and this was back when we had landlines, and my phone rang, and it went to the answering machine, and it was someone wanting something. That's kind of normal. And I, you know, finished the prayer and just one of those kind of moments of exasperation. I said, that beats all I've ever seen. That phone rings all the time, someone wanting something. And my dad looked up and he said, son, you're their hired hand. Mm -hmm. And he said, and if you're not interested in helping whoever that was that called, I'm not voting for you again. Oh, wow. Pretty strong. I'll never forget it. Wow. And and that's, uh, yeah, just a kind of Jesus meeting. Yeah. and, And that's why everyone that seeks office they had better first check and make sure that they have that huge capacity to try to help those that are in need. And and an interesting thing, Jared, our children grew up, Jeremy and Tiffany, Mm -hmm. they grew up in a home where if we went out to dinner, our food got cold because someone had just finished their meal and came up to me, hey, by the way, I've been wanting to talk with you about a piece of, and then I would sit there looking up at them and listen to whatever their concern was, and then our food would get cold or spend an hour and a half at Walmart trying to check out because someone was lobbying me about a piece of legislation. And I thought they would grow up just almost resenting that. And yet Jeremy is... And imagine my delight when about four years ago, my son called me one day. I I was at Dole's down in Mississippi, the original Dole's, with some ADFA folks. And he said, Dad... I want to run for the Greene County Quorum Court. I said, what? He said, I have, I have watched and witnessed what I think is public service. Mm. And he said, I want to do that. 
Jared, I was thrilled. And of course, now he's running for the House of Representatives District 1. He's a terrific young man, yeah. well-prepared, beautiful, wonderful family. He's going to do well, going to win. And uh, boy, dad couldn't be more proud. Oh, that's excellent. What an example you set for him. Do you feel like that, um, you know, obviously, you know, Jeremy, from what I know about him and what I've heard of this say about him, not just his dad, but he's going into this with the same motive, the right motive, I would say, of looking at this as public service. Do you think, has, has the motives always been a little bit mixed or lean towards power and corruption or have, has that seemed to change over the years to where it's become more so about like self-gain? And, and yeah. I, I warn him, not daily, but regularly, that I have watched some wonderful people come to Little Rock and just the trappings of it become so intoxicated that they come down with the purest intentions and you can look at their bio, they're a deacon in this church or an elder in yeah. that church and they're this, that, and other, and, and they just come with a great, great sense of wanting to be in public service, but they are almost overcome by the trappings of that. And they start, as I say, reading their and believing their own press releases uh. and having a tag on the back of their car and, and people being deferential around the capital to them, and they start believing that. And I've told him, I said, I have seen so many families destroyed and people destroy their lives because they forgot why they were there. They go from thinking of themselves, yeah. not at the hired yeah. hand, or I'm the servant to the people. Yeah. It's like, hey. Yeah. Yeah. Let me sit I'm in front. I'm, I'm representative or senator so-and-so. And, and that's always been tragic to me. How did you remain, you think, humble in the midst of all of that? Like well, how I had did you a, stay grounded? Well, I always, I always told people I had a beautiful redheaded mother uh, that uh, if, if there had been eldresses in the churches of Christ, my mother would have been one. And uh, I always told people, I said, I don't have to worry about the ethics committee because I've got that redheaded woman out there that, <laughs> that uh, it, it better pass her smell test. It mm-hmm. didn't matter what the ethics committee. And, uh, and, and so, and that's the way she coached all four of us boys. I'm one of four boys. And, and so I had such a strong background from that of family. That, uh, you know, I knew my true north and I knew what was most important. Yeah. Sounds like you had a solid foundation laid for you and you had your identity rooted in the right thing, too, absolutely. which I know you as a Christian that you would say your oh, identity was found yeah. in Christ, not in some position. Oh, I always said I'm not defined by that. And even in some losses, as you know, I ran for statewide office. And as yeah, I, what did you tell me about that? You're well, right. So you were, you were, what was your plan there? You, you, you ran for, you said, lieutenant governor? Ran for lieutenant governor when I finished in the Senate, and I'd really had kind of, I thought, hopefully a plan in place. And uh, What year was that? Uh, that was 06. And uh, gosh, that seemed like a long time ago. Isn't that crazy? It was and a long I, time ago. I lost in a runoff, and uh, and afterward, you know, I remember. Who were you racing against then? It was a guy named Bill Halter, and he won. Bill Halter. And uh, anyway, I I. I told people afterward, you know, at the press conference in Little Rock, I said, you know, I, I want to serve, but now I'm not defined by this. I am more than happy go, to go back home to Paragould, Arkansas, and and uh, I always have been a promoter of Paragould. You know, my, my standing joke wherever I travel and speak around the state is, I'm from Paragould, and I'm sure you all vacation there. And they all <laughs> laugh, you know, and everything. So I've mentioned Paragould in every every town and every mm. every place in this state. But, uh, you know, I was not defined by that, and so I was happy to serve, and I respect the, the will of the voters and, and, more importantly, the will of God that, you know what, I don't think the Lord wanted me to serve there. And then four years later, I ran for Congress and lost in a runoff. Who was that against? Uh, Chad Cossey was in the, in the Democratic uh, 
primary, and then he lost to Rick Crawford. And Rick and I, are, by the way, are dear friends. But uh, any case, uh, I remember afterward, I, 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 I told my family, I said, I don't think the Lord wants me to serve in that area. I'm happy to go and do other things, and I've just had a wonderful life. That's fantastic. You know, we're all going to experience loss. We're all going to sure, experience sure. what feels like failure. I think, it, I think it best defines us. So tell me about that, because I think a lot of us, uh, I mean, and honestly, like for me, I mean, just being completely vulnerable, like I, uh, I've always been somewhat competitive in my life, and I've told people it's because I think that more than I even like winning, I hate losing. And, uh, and I'm not proud of that. And I still to this day, I think I can fear losing. I can fear failure. And as a result of that, I know it can keep me from loving others. Well, it can keep me yeah. from taking necessary risk. So for those who maybe are listening to this, most folks are never going to get into maybe public service or in politics or anything like that. They're not, but, but we all experience loss. We all have times where this as a parent or a kid or a student where we're like, Oh, I didn't reach the goal, you know, or whatever. How do you deal with that? Well, that's a terrific question. And I remember when I first ran, Lisa, my wife, we've been married 42 years. And I always say Lisa gives humility lessons at our house. And I remember the first time I ran, Lisa asked, can you lose? And I said, well, I I think so. I I think because I think I'm approaching it with the right purpose. And I, I think that I can. And, and I've often thought about that through the years. I think we are best defined by how we handle losses because the greatest loss is to not ever try. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do a speech, and I've done this at high school and college commencements around the state and country and other places. You know, the greatest failure is to never try. And I tell the story of a dear friend from uh, Oklahoma that got a job when ESPN started and he went to the airport, and at the airport, he told his dad, he said, a kid from Oklahoma, I can never make it in New York. And he said, I turned around and went home and called and resigned. I mean, that, that hurts me now, Jared, to think of that. And so there are a whole lot of people that are withholding, offering themselves to do something bigger because they're afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. And the greatest failure is to not try. And we're not defined by our our failings. We're defined by you know, not recognizing that we can get back up and continue. So the old the old adage, he who falls seven times, get up eight. Yeah. You know, and there are people that are, and I tell this to Jeremy all the time, son, there are people that love to serve. They cannot put their name on a ballot and allow their friends and neighbors to put an X beside it. Yeah. They're afraid. Yes. Yeah. You, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to go out there and you've got to get after it. And failure is part of it. And the only thing worse than a person who is an ungrateful loser is a sore winner. Mm. I think we're best defined by how how kind and gracious are we, even in defeat. Yeah. I've had lots of them. uh, Well, (laughs) same here. And, you know, I've heard, and I think this has been true in my own life, that sometimes the things that can hurt us the most are not our, our losses but our successes. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that inflated ego that you're talking about. Absolutely. I mean, you read any leadership book or any book on happiness or whatever, and they're all going to talk about the power of humility and how important humility is. Or Tim Keller calls it the freedom of self-forgetfulness, yeah. you know, of thinking more yeah. about the other than self. And, and it's hard when you get win after win after win after win after win to not kind of get puffed up and say, look at me. And so I think those losses do have a way of humbling us and making us better if our identity is rooted in the right things and we're not finding our self-worth in all of our accomplishments. Right. So, um, 
Well, you eventually, you know, have made, you're in the position you're in right now. And I know that you're very uh, excited about this Arkansas homeowner assistant program. Um, like I said, I've read over it. It seems incredible. I would love for you to just share with those listening why this is such an important program, what it can do for them, and, and then how they can even get access to it. Great. Well, the last several years of my professional life have been with the Arkansas Development Finance Authority out of Little Rock Adva. In fact, I was mentioning to you earlier, I, I, I thought about this today. I've not worked in Paragould since 2007. Mm-hmm. That seems kind of crazy. That Lisa and I have always maintained our home here. We worship at the same congregation. I've been going to the same congregation for nine months before I was born wow. uh, up near Marmaduke. Yep. And, and so this is our home. Our family's here. We love Paragol. We love Greene County. But since 2007, I've been away working in Little Rock and Jonesboro and other places. And uh, for the last several years, I've been with the Arkansas Development Finance Authority, and it is an amazing state agency that does tremendous good for the state of Arkansas. And it's been my pleasure to travel as the director of outreach and make speeches all over Arkansas, chambers of commerce and other groups on behalf of the Development Finance Authority. Uh, and and, and I, in, in fact, I've reminded Jeremy that a lot of people don't realize that ADFA, ADFA, is in essence the state bank. It is it is that entity that provides so many blessings and opportunities to the state of Arkansas that people don't even realize. And so, in the last several years, you know, I'd uh, when I'd see someone here locally, what are you doing? I, well, I'm I'm promoting ADFA. Who? who what ADFA? Mm-hmm. A, yeah, ADF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ADFA. Uh, ADFA is that is that entity that provides everything from uh, financing for public projects to fifty million dollars for the steel mill and three hundred million to Northeast Arkansas Baptist Hospital oh, to wow. anything you can think of around the state. Many businesses that you would recognize their names got their start because of the angel investments from the Development Finance Authority. So it's a tremendous agency, and it's been my honor and pleasure from Northeast Arkansas to travel on behalf of the Development Finance Authority. A year ago, March, when President Biden signed the or the American Rescue Plan, more than more than a billion dollars of money was placed into homeowner assistance as part of that fund. ADVA is the housing finance agency of Arkansas. So what I mean by that is that any type of federal program, any 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 type of HUD or any kind of program like that, ADFA is the repository in the state of Arkansas. So when you think of national housing trust funds or you think of veterans kind of funding or any of those kind of things, those all come to ADFA. It's a billion dollar entity. And one of our biggest projects in ADFA for the last several years has been to promote down payment assistance and my job has been to promote home ownership in Arkansas. Jared, a lot of people don't realize, but the number one way to build wealth in America, home ownership. Hmm. If someone owns a home, national studies indicate that, that after a life of working, if they have owned their home, they're worth 45 times more money because they've owned their home. Wow. And, and all the ancillary benefits include their children do better in school they're more they're more uh they're more solid and stable uh, they're more likely to be philanthropic and generous and supportive they're more likely to be in houses of worship they're more likely to volunteer for the pt all of those things home ownership and I mean, so, you're talking about home ownership just to be clear of those you're not just talking about you have a loan you're talking about you have the loan paid off no like no no actually... no no i'm talking about just no words someone who is working to pay for a home okay yeah no no not not paid off i'm you know there, there are four hundred and three thousand mortgages in arkansas uh, right now so uh most people are are working to 
pay off okay pay off the home. And you're saying all those things you just said those stats are true about people who not say have paid off their home yeah no just no words are just yeah. making a payment and trying to and trying okay. to be homeowners okay and so and i'm getting to my point here believe it or not uh and and so adva through the years has recognized and, and especially governor asa hutchinson has recognized that anything that we can do as a state entity to promote home ownership mm. Then we can help our Kansans, and in some ways, they may not even really recognize how we're helping them. Mm. And so, for the last four years, I have traveled and spoken to anyone that would listen about the importance of home ownership. And I'm happy to tell you that in in four years, we've gone from about about forty million dollars a year in down payment assistance from ADFA to this last year, three hundred and nine million. Wow! And what that tells me is we've gotten that point across to people, and so. With that as a backdrop, I appreciated the administration recognizing this last year with the pandemic, the thing that we didn't want to happen like happened in 2008 and 9 was the the crash of the of the housing market mm-hmm. in this nation. They recognized this time that if that is that pillar yes. that is holding up society, people being homeowners then we've got to do something to protect that. Yeah. So and explain how that happens. And you talk about it being a pillar. Why is that the pillar? So well, just so we can understand from a financial. It's, it's just it's just foundational. It, you know, people. You know, we we call it the American dream for a reason because for the majority of Americans, their largest purchase yeah. investment in their life mm-hmm. is going to be their home. Yes. You know, they're, they're not out here buying businesses and they're not entrepreneurs. They're working a wonderful job doing something maybe in public service and they're trying to make their mortgage payment. Yep. So it is foundational. And so in 2008 and nine, when we started having that recession then, and you remember the ARA funds and all that, it was not recognized how foundational that is. So with the American Rescue Plan two years ago, it's hard to believe that's been two years now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That the first thing we've got to do is we've got to shore up home ownership. So the ADFAs of the world, each state has a housing finance authority, ADFA being that of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. They were asked and they were, they were given this money from the federal government as part of the American Rescue Plan to do everything that we can do to shore up housing in your state. And so the HALF funds, the homeowner assistance funds, the the thing that I'm charged with now traveling the state and speaking about now is to allow people to know that if there's anyone out there that's in forbearance or heaven forbid foreclosure mm-hmm. or they're or they're they're falling behind on their taxes their taxes and their insurance or their utility services or any of those things as a result of their of their mortgage mm-hmm. there's help and in Arkansas, Jared, we have $53 million available. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned a minute ago, they didn't just arbitrarily, and it's certainly with the ADFA research, we have an amazing team at ADFA. But with our research, we, ended, we, we recognized as we looked at those VA loans, those USDA loans, those, uh, uh, those uh, FHA loans in Arkansas, and in the other, the other loans, both in the, in the, in the uh, uh, secondary and the primary markets, those that were in local banks' portfolios or whatever it might be, that there are 403,000 homeowners in Arkansas that are making a mortgage payment. Wow. And that there were those in need 
And so my task has been to travel the state, and as I fondly say, jump up and down like a shortstop on a softball team, <laughs> making sure that people understand that if you're having any kind of a reversal as a result of the pandemic, ADFA's here to help. So that's fantastic. And how do people then get access to this? Like, what's the next step for them? Someone's listening to this, maybe they're like, oh, yeah, like that's me or my aunt or my son or yeah. What do they? Where do they go? What do they do? Well, I'm gonna give you that information, and uh, and let me just say that we have a. It, this sounds like one of those commercials. We have operators standing by. We, <laughs> we we have operators on the second floor of the old Altel building in Little Rock, down on the riverfront. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's uh, you know that's now the Department of Commerce headquarters. So that's Adfa's headquarters. We're on the sixth floor of that building, and uh, any case, on the second floor, it is filled with a bank of Arkansans. They can understand you. And there they are waiting to take your phone call. And all one has to do is to call that number. And it's 888. I'll give it a couple of times before we finish. It's 888-698-0964. Or they can just go online to Arkansas HAF or homeownerassistancefund.com. And they can learn all about that program. But probably someone's listening. They're saying, well, how do I, how do I qualify? If, if someone is two months behind on their mortgage and they are at 150% of the AMI of the United States or 100% of the AMI, the area median income of Arkansas, they qualify. Do you know what that number comes out to on the percentage of the Let let me just give you an example. I've got one example here. For a family, and and it's based on kind of like, you know, the the, uh, overlays of or the underwriting overlays of, uh, of a mortgage, uh, home, you know, uh, home ownership, or uh, is you know the number in the home, and all those kind of things. Sure. As you're like you're doing a loan. So, for a family of four, and I'm going to use the highest county in Arkansas, and it's Pulaski. For a family of four in Pulaski County, in Pulaski County that makes less than one hundred and seven thousand dollars a year, they qualify. Wow. And so, for Greene County, that's somewhere I haven't looked at it specifically. It's probably somewhere in the eighty to eighty-five thousand family that makes eighty-five thousand of four family of four. Mm-hmm. They qualify, mm-hmm. and uh, and and here's what we're doing: we're doing some exciting things with this funding. Fifty-three million dollars. If they can attest they've had any kind of a reversal as a result of the pandemic, and let me give you like an example: mm-hmm. if it's someone that like let's say is a case manager or a therapist, and because of the pandemic, they were prohibited. From from seeing their patients, yep. and they are and they are they bill by the hour, and they're paid by the billings that they that they turn in. That was devastating for families. Totally. And there and there were some families that you know borrowed from mother and dad, and and you know and pulled out of savings and all kinds of things. And there are those that even if they tried to stay current, maybe got got behind, but they couldn't continue. Some exciting news: some of this money can even be used for some principal reduction mm. so but they could make that payment before the pandemic but with the way things are now it's it's a different financial situation for that family and so we're we're writing some good sized checks i mean some 15 to twenty five thousand dollar checks wow. to servicers in arkansas for families and i can tell you stories i always say i cry at the opening of a new flea market you know i'm just kind of tender-hearted and <laughs> you know and just you know things just you know uh Jared, I've got some stories of families, of people that we've called. Hey, by the way, you know, there, there's some support and some help here. Have you had any kind of difficulties with your mortgage? Oh, you don't have any idea. 
And we've got some stories of people when we write, and by the way, the checks are written to the servicers, to the banks. It's not write, written to the individuals. The U.S. Treasury for, forbids us from writing it to the individuals. Mm-hmm. But when we pay that off to their servicer and they write to, back to them and say, you not only are you current, but we've kept with some these other reductions. Jared, that's life-changing. Mm-hmm. That, that helps with that American dream. Yeah. It really is incredible. I mean, what a gift. Um, we will be sure and link, uh, and just make this, put this in a note here that we remember to do this, Chris, but we'll put on the, uh, you know, the episode uh, description the phone number here, which again is 888-698-0964, along with the uh, link to the website, which is ArkansasHAF.com. That way, those listening to this, if you want, you can be sure and call or log in and get more information. Um, this is awesome. I'm glad you reached out and you've asked to, to, to share this. Is there anything else? Well, I just think the, the greater tragedy, as I said, all of our research indicates that there is this amount of need in Arkansas. And let me just kind of give you an update. We started this in February, mm-hmm. and we still have $39 million available. Wow. And so that kind of hurts my heart uh, to think that there are still people out here and I and I could use the help and just don't know yeah, about and, it. And don't know about it. You know, and my my dad used to use the his joke. He said, There are people that don't know John F. Kennedy's been assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, Michael Jackson's died or Elvis yeah. has died. Yeah. And, and and so there are people that are just head down, working hard, great people, you know, keep their grass cut short, pay their taxes, don't yes. kick little dogs. That, that but they don't know this is available. Yeah. And so with your help, and that's that's kind of my task is to travel the state to whomever. And so, I mean, boards of realtors, mortgage bankers associations, rotary clubs, anything, wherever I can go. Yeah, we need uh, to be hanging these up in church yeah. buildings and community centers. Yeah, and, yeah. And I've reached out, you know, to all the mayors of Arkansas, the county judges, and the members of the Senate and the House. And, and ASA has done a couple of press releases on it, and we're doing it on a regular basis. And and as I said, you know, you know, I, I, I tease, I say, you know, I'm, boy, I'm, this is like Santa Claus. I, you know, we're, we're giving away money every day yes. for those that are in need. And the tragedy is that there are people that are in need don't know it yet. They don't know it. And there's so much, there's so many scams that are out there. You know I mean? Like if I, if yes. I just sort of scrolled through Facebook and there was an ad y'all put out there, I'd been like, eh, yeah, there's no. a catch to this. This is not legit. There but no I know free, you. There are no free lunches. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but I trust you, and I, you're a real person, you know, and I know you, and I know your family. And, and so this gives credibility to something like this. Whenever now we can put a face to it, hear a voice that goes along with, like, okay, like this is the real deal. Yeah. So, and, and as I said, we're working, at, you know, and I think the greatest economic developers in Arkansas are our realtors. Uh, boy, they're an amazing group. I love to work with the Arkansas Real, Ta- Real Estate Association, the mortgage bankers. I'm on the board of the mortgage bankers of Arkansas Board of Directors. And so I'm after that board all the time. Hey, guys, help me. We've got to get this word out there. And so uh, our realtors have really jumped out there and helped us with it and mortgage bankers as well. But yes, we need uh, what you are. And that's what I call stakeholders, leaders in communities to promote this and help us get that word out there because it's, it's a, it's, it would be a great blessing to a family. Awesome. Well, we are happy to do that. Thank you very much for reaching out to us and, and, and bringing this to our attention so that we can help spread the word. Um, I, I would love to you know, end our session today like I do every episode with a list of rapid-fire questions. And All so right. If you're up for it. Sure, I'm ready. I'll send them your way. Um, so number one is is this. What is the last either show or movie you watched or book that you read? Uh well, Lisa and I went to see the Elvis movie. We're we're uh, huge Elvis fans, and of course, you know, Maverick. We've seen that. And uh, by oh, the Maverick's way, a, an interesting thing about Elvis, 
my wife's mother, her name was Toady Woodson. They had Woodson's Grocery out east of town. Some of your listeners might remember okay. the, the Woodson's. Lisa's mother was a huge Elvis fan okay. and went to a party at his house in the 50s when she was a teenager, and he went and changed. They were out at a pool party, yeah. and he changed and put his trunks on the line, and Toady grabbed them and ran. No, <laughs> and so And so Lisa and I have a pair of Elvis Come Presley on. swim trunks in our safe. Really? Yes, yes. And so, uh, that's so, amazing. And so, always. Why tell, didn't you wear those to the podcast? Yeah, there you, yeah. And I always tell Lisa that if uh, if the Lord takes her before me, someone's going to see those on eBay. But uh, anyway, <laughs> what do they look like? Elvis's trunk. They're kind of black and white. They, we've got we've got some uh, pictures of him in them. And really, uh, I think they're on an album album cover. No, and, that's and incredible. That. So yeah, we wanted to go see the Elvis movie because we love. I love Elvis. I was pitching the American Legion finals in Little Rock at Ray Winterfield. On August 16, 1977, and Paragould American Legion team, and we got out of the, we got, we were playing Pine Bluff Lock Plumbing. Boy, they were good. And we, we got, we left the, the Ray Winder Field and went to the, the, the hotel, and all the girls were crying. What in the world? What's going on? Yeah. And they said, Elvis died. Oh. Of course, all the guys. Ah, we you know we like kiss and we like this. Now I'm sitting over going. <laughs> Elvis died. <laughs> pulling your hat. Up. Yeah, pulling my cap down. Elvis died. I love Elvis. So. Oh man, you and uh, <laughs> Kenny Ford is a member of our church, and he is a he's massive, a great guy. massive Elvis fan. Oh yeah, I was telling someone the like the last episode. He's got his own Elvis bathroom in his house, <laughs> and so. Uh, yeah. I hear the police coming right now to get those <laughs> trunks. Yeah, yeah. Those tr- <laughs> Surely the statute of limitations is right out on that. That place is absolutely right. You're safe 50, at this point. I think it was about 55, she said, <laughs> yeah, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're safe at this point. Um, excellent. What is, I'm going to ask you this. I, do, you, you, do you want shorter answers? No, I don't <laughs> want shorter answers. That's what these are all for. So, um, so I didn't ask you this before, and I told Brooke, I was like, we've got to start remembering to ask before they come. What is their favorite songs? Because we're making a playlist, a Paragol podcast playlist. We're putting Fantastic. people's favorite songs on there. Um, if you can think of favorite songs off the top of your head, oh, yeah. throw those out there. Okay. Rod Stewart. Which song are Rod Have Stewart? I told you lately oh. that I love you? You got a golden voice. Rod Stewart does. You- Lisa and I have, we have seen him in concert so many times, and I told her most recently, I forget which one it was, I said, Lisa. Have you noticed these fans are looking old? <laughs> kind of grow. And you know, Rod. Rod Rod kicks a soccer ball. You know, he was a great superstar soccer player was in he England. Really? Yeah, and he kicks soccer balls, signed soccer balls into the into the stands. Come on. We had we had great seats, and this girl next to us kept back and forth. And I t- kept telling Lisa, I said, she's not even a fan. And he kicked a soccer ball right to us, and she caught it. <laughs> At, Did and you I ask her for it? I, I, I said, I'll give you 100 bucks for that. You could have pulled uh, your mother-in-law's. Yeah, uh, swim drive it and run, man. And uh, she said, no. And I said, well, can I hold it? And so anyway, so yeah, Rod Stewart. We love Rod Stewart. Man. And of course, the Eagles. The Eagles are like, oh, I'm, look, man. That's my those favorite are, group. Those, that, the Eagles pop up more than anybody. I've been running down the road trying to. Who, I can play that song, on the guitar. What song is that? Take I'm, it easy, man. Man, listen. That's, in my, that's on my Jeep list. Well, that's a great song to play in your Jeep. I'm going to, I really, really, really want to like the Eagles. I just have, I know, I'm sorry. I'm just telling you. Jared. They're, they're obviously classic. Jared, they're fantastic. As Andy Griffith says, that cuts deep. I know, brother. I know. Wow. And I want to so bad wow. because you're probably the 10th person who has come on this podcast. It's like my favorite band is the Eagles. Oh, of I course. love the Eagles. And I always ask them, give me one song that'll make me like them. 
I've listened there, to every one of them. What? And I have not Desperado. liked. Desperado. That's, that's my least favorite. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh. I don't know why. I guess I don't have a very mature music palette. Okay. Because people that I admire like the Eagles. Oh, what? Well, I mean, that's the number one selling group of all time. I know. I feel like they're like the number black, one album. Hotel they're like California. The, the black coffee of music. Like I did you not like a little like, cream and sugar. Well, I think so. Actually, little I don't haze, now. Little I don't hazelnut. now because I have an acquired taste. <laughs> and I think that's what's going to have to happen to Eagles. I'm just have to keep listening and keep listening. And eventually, I'm going to be able to one day say, "I love the Eagles." You, you know our daughter Tiffany. Yeah. And uh, about four or five years ago, whenever they were in in Memphis last, yeah. I had Lisa got me two tickets. And she, Lisa's not an Eagles fan. I love her, but she's not an Eagles okay. fan. Okay, I'm and, glad I'm not alone. And so I had to pick one of the kids. And Jeremy at that time was singing lead in Scatter Creek. Ah, and they did some Eagles stuff. You remember when Jeremy sang with Scatter Creek? I forgot Creek? about it. Yeah, he's a, Jeremy's a great singer. And so I thought, well, that, yeah. and I took Jeremy. Oh, my Tiffany. And I, she she, she's the mini Tim. Tiffany is Uh-oh. Tiffany's the mini Tim, Uh-oh. not Jeremy. And uh, oh, and I mean, she brings it up almost every that's Sunday. That's a tough decision, Dad. <laughs> that was you flip a coin, just like man, that's hard. I, I didn't realize that she was that big of a, an Eagles. Fan I like anymore. how you didn't just say, "Here, y'all get both the tickets, and I'll set this one out." You're like, "No, I'm going." Yeah, what are y'all saying? I'm going. Well, I didn't want to dishonor Lisa. Oh, uh, that's a me. good point. You that was very selfless <laughs> of you. Yeah, so that, Rod Stewart's favorite concert, that's the second favorite, I'm guessing, is the Eagles. Yes, absolutely, okay. yes. All right, I'm going to give another shot. Uh, what is your favorite meal? You're going to laugh. I don't have a very sophisticated palate. I obviously don't have a sophisticated taste in music, so. Uh, Lisa's Sloppy Joe's. Okay, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Oh, I love Lisa's Sloppy Joe's. And then what I tell Lisa's Sloppy Joe's? Not just like no, the no, stuff not, you buy? No, not Sloppy Joe's, the ones Lisa makes. She makes the best sloppy joes. Do you know how she makes them? No, it's a, I don't know, but it's got it doesn't taste like anyone else's sloppy joes, and I love them. How often do you get it? Well, anytime I ask, she'll she'll hey. make sloppy joes, and you got a side oh, with that, like potato chips, fries. Sure, just yeah, fries, and it, it's it's great. I love her sloppy joes. But now let me tell you something. My kids tease me about. Yeah, I love gas station chicken. Okay. I love Chester's gas station chicken. And so I always tell... I've heard Chester's is some of the best oh, fried chicken in town. It, and honey mustard. And I always tell, the, tell Jeremy and Tiffany, if I'm, on a, if I'm on death row, my last meal, if mom can't make sloppy joes, bring me some <laughs> gas station chicken. <laughs> that needs to go my, out. I don't know. Because of Tim Woolridge. Woolridge. I got it. I corrected it. I caught myself. That's like a tweet right there. There you go. If I'm ever on death row, I either want my wife's sloppy joes or, <laughs> or Chester's gas, gas station fried yeah. chicken. My son-in-law, Dustin Jackson, he's terrific, and and uh, he'll he'll come over. We'll be headed fishing or duck hunting or something, and he'll say, let's stop and get some gas station chicken. I said, you're a good son-in-law. <laughs> Do you like Vienna sausages, too? In the summer. Okay. I could see as a Vienna yeah, sausages Yeah, that, that juice. You mean you that know, gel, that jelly? Yes. That's what I'm saying, but in, in the duck woods, it's that icky kind of gel, slimy. You don't do that. Ooh, okay, no. good. Okay. But in the summer when you're fishing, okay, you, can, you, don't do that. you can pop it and then pour that out, and they're they're palatable. They're with a cracker? Yeah, oh, of course. Okay. I'm with you on in that. A, in a Jeep with the top off. Man. You know, I'm, you know I'm a Jeep guy. Yeah, I know you're a Jeep I've got, guy. I've got four it of them. It makes me jealous whenever I see you in one. I'm envious. <laughs> I've got four you got of four? Them. I've got four of them. And I, well, then I, you are a Jeep guy. I tell people that uh, every ride in a Jeep is a parade. I've got a 52 model that we you know we drive in parades and so forth. Yeah. We have to trailer it every Do you do every parade? 
Uh, we, so we, will you be at Labor Day Parade? Oh, of course, yeah. Okay. yeah this yeah. will be released after Labor Day, so. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah, every ride in a Jeep is a parade. Okay. Well, it's man. it's Barney Five Sold. says it's it's Barney Five says it's therapeutic. There's nothing else you'd rather do than just eat oh. a sloppy Joe while you're driving down the road with the top oh. down, listening to "Take It Easy." I take take it easy. Oh, take it easy. I'll I, I take that. I, old, I was doing like Neil Diamond. <laughs> I take that old Jeep. I take that old Jeep up into the mountains where we deer hunt up on uh, White River, and you can lift the windshield down, put it in low gear, and pull the throttle. Those old Jeeps have a throttle. We now call that a cruise control. Yeah. But you can pull the throttle out, put that thing in low gear, and you can almost have to side it up with the tree to see if it's moving. That's enjoyable. It sounds enjoyable. Down a long Yeah, I forget road. that you're a uh, dunk hunting fan. We have uh, Stan Jones that came on the podcast. Oh, recently. yeah. We're about to release oh, this yeah. episode. I guess it's the first or second week in September. So. He's a terrific guy. He is a good dude. Yeah, yeah. he is. I like him. You'll, you'll enjoy his podcast. I know him. I know him. All right. What is on your nightstand right now? Picture of my dad throwing the first pitch. Uh, at a Redbirds game in Memphis, celebrating his 50th anniversary. Sweet. My dad was a huge Cardinal fan. God bless him. He passed uh, eight years ago last week, mm. and he loved the Cardinals, and he loved baseball. And his line all of his life was, the longer it's been, the better I was. And so we arranged for my dad to throw out the first pitch That's for cool. the Redbirds. And until he passed, Jared, he'd say, you remember that night I pitched in Memphis? <laughs> Well, you threw out the first pitch. <laughs> yeah, Dad, we remember. Yeah. And uh, and he's the picture of him on the mound at AutoZone Park That's throwing cool. out that first pitch. That is, you ought to see it. It is, as they say, priceless. That's fantastic. What a great gift. Very mm. thoughtful gift. Yeah. Um, Brings a tear to mind. Yeah, I imagine so. Um, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. So what is a... It's a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. Lisa and I have a mini golden doodle. And in keeping with, you would recognize his name is Ozzy. And uh, in the afternoons, we love, we've got a, a little Jeep that we keep it, it, at our home in Paragool with mm-hmm. the top just removed all the time. It's We only drive it for, you know, play times, mm-hmm. you know. And... Uh, we get Ozzy in the back of that little Jeep and drive around some of the country roads. I've seen you out yes, at Tartuna and hollered and waved at you, yeah. so you've seen him. Yes. And uh, we do that uh, regularly, and it's just, it's really a lot of fun. Awesome. We have a 13-year-old mini poodle named Chipper Jones. <laughs> so we have something Chris, in there. Look at Chris. That. Yeah, you pop out. You Chris. You this conversation edit with Chipper that. Jones edit, edit that yeah. Chipper Jones thing out. <laughs> he had to throw that in there, didn't he? <laughs> And then a, you get some a, sort of a guy from Tyronza, you'd think you'd know better. You would. First ballot Hall Goodness. of Famer. That's right. He that is true. He was he's a pretty good, good player. He's a great pretty player. good player. And I think a great dude. I think he's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't know, but we did have you, a lady. I'm, I'm talking about Chris, not Chipper Jones. Oh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he is a great guy. Yeah. Certainly. <laughs> uh, last question. What is one thing that you are deeply grateful for right now? Uh, just have been blessed beyond measure. Uh, lived... In my hometown, all of my life, uh, beautiful wife. You know, we were uh, not high school sweethearts, but kind of almost. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had a beautiful life together. And we have two beautiful children and son-in-law and daughter-in-law. They're all faithful to the Lord. And we have five grandchildren: Max, Finley, Grace, and Sutton Blair, and Jax Henry, and Knox Harrison. And they worship with us every week. Mm-hmm. Every week. 
on the front two pews of our little congregation, Lisa and I get to sit there with five grandchildren. And when I hear friends talk about, I'm going to get on a plane and go see my grandchildren, <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine. It's hard between Sunday and Wednesday to see mine. Yeah. We get to see them every, every week, and, and uh, that's been a blessing. I have been blessed beyond measure. Beautiful life. I believe you whenever you say that. Have you always been um, a, a person who feels like that you're blessed, like even in the midst of, of trials, whether it's oh, absolutely. suffering health-wise or anything like that? Do you, have you always kind of had that mentality of, man, I'm a blessed man, or do you, have you grown into that over age? Well, I, uh, no, I have always been. But, you know, I, I remind myself and I try to remind people all the time, we're not citizens of the world trying to get to heaven. We're citizens of heaven trying to make it through the world. Mm. And so when that perspective is uh, anything here, th- this is all temporary. This is all just, this is all just uh, brief. I used, to, I used to tell the story like in devotionals and things like that. All the years I was in Little Rock, my apartment, I, I refused to put all my clothes and things away. Mm. I kept them in my travel bags. Every now and then I would put a you know, few things, but but not really. I wouldn't put things away in the kitchen, things on the counter, because that wasn't my home. I was mm-hmm. there on business, and I was just passing through. Mm. And so if life, if we recognize that it isn't about here, we weren't made for here. Mm. We were built and made for eternity, not here. Mm. So anything that happens to us while here, shame on us if we're not looking up, because we're mm. to seek things above, not things on the earth. And so... If you have a if you have a mindset that you know I'm 62 now, uh, if you have a mindset of if the Lord lets me live to be 80, in terms of eternity, that's nothing. I mean that truly is James describes as a vapor. Absolutely. And so so how in the world would I allow things during the vapor moment define what I ultimately am? So the, I try to have that. Yes, I'm blessed. Now, I may I may I may endure cancer i may endure whatever lost mother and dad in the last few years all those things and uh but it's not about here it's about eternity so yes blessed beyond measure man well said that's a powerful place to end and so thank you so much for coming on and not just talking about this assistance program which we will definitely get the word out on that but also just sharing your time sharing your heart uh i've really enjoyed this i've known about you from afar we've passed at high exchange text but first time i've had a opportunity to sit down with you in a room and have a conversation and hope it's not the last time because i really enjoyed it amen thanks Thanks for for jared great to be with you and that was tim woldridge with a d yep you got it right yes and man your second time Mm -hmm. producing yeah so good to have you back. Who was the other person that you uh, produced? Uh, it was with Skylar. Skylar Bowen. So, okay. Great. Two great interviews. Yes. So far, every time I'm here, it's amazing. Man, winning. Yeah. Hashtag winning. Yeah. Um, Tim, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, to those of you who are still listening to this, thanks for tuning in. If you have not already done so, please check us out on different social media platforms. You can follow us on Instagram or on Facebook. We have a page there that you can like and uh, learn about all the episodes that are coming out. And if you've not done this, please get on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating there. That's not just to boost our ego. Um, That is, more importantly, to help people find this podcast more quickly and learn about the amazing people that are living right here in this city. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.